Welcome back to the Oklahoma Municipal League podcast. I'm your host, Mike Fina, Executive Director of OML. Today, we have another interesting topic to discuss and a guest who is the foremost expert on this topic. But before we introduce her, I want to set the stage for today's discussion. In 2018, voters went to the polls and passed State Question 788. It passed by 57% of the vote, and almost overnight, a new industry was born in Oklahoma. That industry is medical marijuana. And I said overnight, and that wasn't much of an exaggeration. Provisions of the state question only gave the state four months to put it into effect. In response to that, Oklahoma created the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, or more widely known as OMMA. It was the team of state agency pioneers who were tasked with building a system to regulate one of the most highly regulated industries in the country, or at least for those who have medicinal or recreational marijuana industries. In other states, most marijuana policies are found in their criminal portion of their statutes, which presented even more problems for Oklahoma, knowing that some of our neighboring states have no medicinal or recreational laws regarding marijuana. Oklahoma is now the biggest medical marijuana market in the country, of course on a per capita basis. Nearly 10% of the state's population have acquired medical marijuana cards over the last two years. In comparison, New Mexico has the country's second most popular program, but only about 5% of their state residents hold medical marijuana cards. Oklahoma now has roughly 6,000 licensed growers, over 2,000 dispensaries, and more than 1,300 processors in the state. In comparison, Colorado, the country's oldest recreational marijuana market, has a population almost 50% larger than Oklahoma, but it has barely half as many licensed dispensaries and less than 20% as many grow operations. In Oklahoma, in the city of Ardmore, who has a population of about 25,000 residents, there are 36 licensed dispensaries. That's roughly one for every 700 residents. In neighboring Wilson, which only has a population of just over 16, or almost about 1,700, state officials have issued 32 cultivation licenses, meaning about one out of every 50 residents in Wilson can legally grow marijuana. Now the result of that for Oklahoma, they created a program that has developed a new revenue stream for the state and municipalities that's generated an incredible amount of new tax dollars. Through the first 10 months of 2020, the industry had generated more than $105 million in state and local taxes. Although the product may be controversial, you cannot argue with the fact that it has financially benefited municipalities throughout Oklahoma. Sustaining growth and maintaining regulatory integrity of the program will ensure that the industry continues to flourish in Oklahoma. Today on the show, we have the person who is charged with that very job the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, Kelly Williams. Kelly, welcome to the OML Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. I have been so excited this week about having this conversation with you because we have been working with OMMA since day one, Uh, actually even before you guys were created uh, because the relationship between municipalities is so important with what you guys do. Now, you are the third director at OMMA, And we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast started, because I think it's interesting that the marijuana industry in general in the country is is pretty young. So finding someone to be an executive director of an agency like this, it's not easy to find someone with the experience or or the relative experience to to run that. So talk about yourself a little bit. 
Um, yeah, so I'm actually uh, born and raised in Oklahoma. I've been here my whole life and I absolutely love it here. Um, I went to Oklahoma City University for undergrad and did my master's and my doctorate degree at OU in quantitative psychology. Um, it's not something that a lot of people know about, but it's uh, essentially research methods and statistics. So I like to make the joke that I have a PhD in how to do science. Um, which I think is really helpful um, and can be applied to just about anything because it's how to think things through, how to map things out, how to really understand information and the data that's available to you to make good choices. Um, after grad school, I worked at Oklahoma City University. I was their institutional research director for about seven years. And in that role, I did a lot of really different things. I managed our strategic plan. I did a lot of um, federal reporting. I managed our accreditation relationship with our accrediting body. Um, I did a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, my real goal was to use data to help inform the decisions of the institution. So I managed a lot of projects, worked with a whole lot of people, tried to bring information together and synthesize it so that we could actually turn it into something, um, make it a plan, put, put it into action, and, and feel good that it was gonna have the impact we intended. So kind of a weird you know, background, um, all things put together, but it was really good preparation for the work I do here because all of those different hats I had to wear, I certainly have to wear here. You know, I started in February of 2020 as the deputy director here. And so I got my feet wet a little bit before being thrown into the director role, but it's, you know, I absolutely love it. I think it's really interesting, it's really challenging and now I get to make a difference every day. We have so many patients in the state and being able to make sure that this agency is doing what it can to keep them safe, you know, when they use their medication, I think is really important. You know, I, I can actually, I can see where your background is perfect for this. Just watching the evolution of OMMA, it's not as much about the, the industry itself, but it's been about building the policies and you have not only do you have that challenge, you have the challenge of this very short runway to get it done, but then there's also this challenge, and I'm not I'm not being disparaging to him, but the, the legislature poses a challenge too because they file so many bills that impact your agency. I know that because they do for municipalities, but also for you guys. But yeah, I can see where your background, where that would be quite helpful in in building this. You never know when your job's going to change when legislation is uh, being run. So when you were studying for your doctorate, did you ever in your wildest dreams think you would be running, a, you know, the marijuana authority? No, I most certainly did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting road that brought you there. But that's uh, yeah, I, I, I can see where your background just fits that perfectly. So. All right. Uh, we talked about a little bit, but uh, OMMA has been extremely important to municipal government and all of our 586 municipalities out there. So how, how do you see the relationship and in, 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 in way we're working together right now? So the way I look at things, you know, my job is, is to pull all the relevant information from all of these different areas and try to figure out something that works for everyone, for the patients, for the businesses, for law enforcement, for the municipalities. And there's a lot of interplay in pretty much everything we do across those different constituencies. So getting to know the municipalities, understanding what their needs are, what setbacks they have with all of this, what their concerns are, I think is really important. 
um, one of the things I'd like to do moving forward is better develop those relationships specifically with the municipalities and have some outreach opportunities. Um, we've had some stuff that we've been wanting to work on, but COVID obviously has slowed down some of those in-person opportunities to develop those relationships. Um, but I know that we work with um, a lot of different municipalities with the certificates of compliance that are required for all of our business licensees before they can be licensed. And I know that there are a lot of questions and a lot of confusion around that. So we're going to work on some things that will help clarify that, answer questions, hopefully make the process a little easier for municipalities there. But, you know, even outside of the direct work we do in terms of the industry, you know, there are 10,000 plus commercial licensees across the state of Oklahoma. And um, all the dispensary sales also are subject to taxation. So the impact that this has on the municipalities is, is really pretty big. Oh, absolutely. Um, when we first started talking about just what the industry meant to municipal government, I would I would say that it was met with mixed reviews with our with our communities. Now, if you were to poll all of our communities, I, I think you would see a dramatic change in just the attitude. And I, I, I don't want to believe that it's just because it has been somewhat of a windfall for a lot of our communities. But I believe what's happened is now these businesses have come in and when they were first coming in the door, there was probably a stigma attached to the fact that they were selling marijuana. But now what I think our councils have seen is that these are legitimate business people and they run quality businesses and they are contributing to not only the just the tax income or sales tax income but they're also contributing to the communities and i i i feel like our attitude is starting to change i hope you're seeing that on your side too i definitely think that's true i in 2018 i never would have thought that medical marijuana here in the state of oklahoma would look and feel the way that it does now you know i i would not have expected it five years ago to even be a thing at this point but it is and it's here and you know that not just the tax money but the jobs and the other things that that brings to our state is really incredible you know driving through Oklahoma City you can see all of these different buildings being rehabilitated by the dispensaries that are coming in and moving in and starting their businesses and you know it's really making things move and, and even outside the municipalities I keep hearing about how this is you know impacting uh, real estate values, um, the cost of farmland, you know, all kinds of things, it impacts everywhere. And it seems like it has increased the total amount of business that's being conducted in Oklahoma by quite a bit. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you there. Now you have a really big job in in tracking all of those things that, that, that we've been talking about. Uh, there's multiple licenses that you guys oversee. Can we just get a rundown of, of the things that your agency covers? Sure. Yeah, so on the patient side, we have you know, almost 370,000 patient licensees across the state of Oklahoma, and that's a really big number. Um, we also have caregiver licensees. If there is a patient cardholder who is homebound or is unable to purchase or administer their own medical marijuana, they can partner with a caregiver who is designated just for them to help them with that. On the commercial side of thing, we have several different licensing types. We have over 10,500 commercial licensees right now. By far the biggest is our grower licensees. That's almost seven, that's over 7,000 of our commercial licensees. Um, they can be indoor, they can be outdoor, they can be hybrid. They're all across the state. There's not a single county without at least one grow facility. 
um, that is licensed in that county. We have 1,300 processors, over 2,000 dispensaries across the state. We also have waste facilities that um, any contaminated marijuana, any um, disposed of marijuana has to go to a licensed waste facility. Um, we also have 25 laboratories. So all medical marijuana that's sold in the state has to undergo a series of tests um, to ensure its safety, but also to measure its potency. Um, so we have 25 laboratories spread across the state to serve that need. We also have two research facilities. Um, they don't do human subjects research, but you know, horticultural methods, processing methods, they can do that kind of research. And just um, within the last few weeks, we granted our very first education facility licensee. And um, that should be up and running in the next few months. And um, so they can also do things like teach people how to grow, how to process. Um, that uh, license type can also you know, teach patients how to you know, make homemade products using medical marijuana concentrate for their own use, if that's something that they wanted to do. So we've got a variety of, of license types, um, and I think it's, it's really great because it covers the whole run of things. Okay, I am terribly curious about this education facility. So was this a, how, how did that even come about? I've never heard of that before. So this was our very first, our very first application for an education facility. So I've looked at their um, intended curriculum and I think it's really interesting. I think it's more focused on the growth side of things. Um, it's been a minute since I've looked at their proposal, but it's really exciting that we finally have that license type because I think it being such a new industry and such a new field, there's a lot of people who don't know how to handle this plant specifically. And everyone from the laboratories to the farmers that I've talked to, they talk about how different cannabis is. It, it's just, it's crankier, it's harder, it's, it's, a little, it's a little different than anything else they do. So the idea that we could have an education facility, have a research facility that's gonna help really understand and educate everyone else on these pieces that make cannabis different and how to do it right and how to do it well. I think that's really great that we have that here in Oklahoma. Absolutely, that, that is, that's actually really cool. Is that, do you know if other states have similar programs? I'm not sure offhand. I would be interested to find that out, but I imagine if that were a more common thing, it wouldn't have taken us this long to get our first few licenses <laughs> of that type. Well, so, okay, so, and I, I won't spend too much on this. So the idea of even having this, I, is that something that OMMA came up with or did someone approach you saying, hey, this would be a great idea? I believe, and I would have to check, but I believe that was established in the Unity Bill in uh, 2019, but I would have to double check. Okay. Well, and don't hold that against me because I that Unity Bill was so massive. <laughs> I, I was always looking at the municipal stuff, but I, don't, I didn't recall that, but uh, yeah, very well could be correct. And two research facilities, and, and this is... Um, can can you expound maybe just a little bit more on the research? Because that's another interesting part that I'm I'm just not familiar with. Yeah, so those are also relatively new, and they do have to put forth their research proposals when they apply to us. I believe those are also focused on cultivation methods. You know how to um, target the potency, breeding those. Uh, I'm not sure if breeding is the right word with plants, but um, you know how to propagate the right plants that have the right characteristics, those kinds of things. So. You know, and one of the things having a research background that I feel is very different with cannabis is because of the 
legal history. We don't have a lot of the research. You know, there aren't a lot of pieces of peer-reviewed research out there to look at that really tell you how to do these things. So it's kind of an open opportunity to develop that kind of research and those opportunities to educate other people about what you find. So you're talking about the the 370, almost 370,000 uh, Oklahoma residents that that actually have the cards. I saw an interesting stat. Um, I, I, I maybe you can confirm if it's true or not, but it's got to be close to that. That per capita makes us the largest um, industry in in the in the country, even even beyond California and Colorado, just by the sheer number of people that we have that have the cards. Does that sound somewhat accurate? I guess. I mean, I don't know whether or not it's specifically true, but it would not surprise me. Yeah, well, yeah, and with 10% of the population, it's it's quite popular. So you 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 have a lot of uh, Oklahomans that are coming through your agency there. So very busy. Well, with that many people with cards, that that's a good segue into talking about the the revenue in the state. And and I know we we touched on it just a little bit, but it it has been uh, great not just for the state, but for us at the local level. Uh, and we have had the industry itself has has we've seen that the tax receipts increase dramatically from year to year. I and mean, we fit on over fifteen million dollars in that from. 19 to 20. What what trends do you see in, in the data in, in sales tax collection and, and uh, just revenue in general? So we track the 7% um, excise tax that's on all medical marijuana sales and we also track the state and local taxes that are collected. We partner with um, the Oklahoma Tax Commission. They provide those data to us and we actually post that on our social media and our website every month. So you can get updates on that anytime you want. Um, but in 2019, that excise tax collection was over $24 million. In 2020, it was $56 million. Exactly. Similarly, on the state and local taxes, in 2019, it was $30.6 million. And in 2020, it was $71.6 million. So it increased a lot, very dramatically from 2019 to 2020. And while we're not seeing you know, that degree of gains, it's really seeming to sustain itself. Um, so... I don't know if this is where things level out with Oklahoma's medical program on the tax collection and the sales volume, but you know, it, I think it has outpaced everybody's expectations by a huge amount. It's, it's really kind of shocking, but I think it goes to your point earlier about how much impact this industry has on our state, on our counties, on our cities. You know, we, we can't ignore an industry that brings in you know, $50 million in taxes every year. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. And I want to say, and I won't reveal the legislator's name, um, but I was having an interesting conversation on a bill um, with with the senator. And he said to, the argument was interesting because, as you know, most of our legislators are, are mostly very conservative. And so is this gentleman. But we we're having this conversation uh, and it was dealing with the thousand foot from a school. You know, there's a bill out there for that. But we're, we're talking about it. But his argument to me was solely based on commerce. And I, I left that meeting and I was thinking, you know, that that's interesting because the sentiment even in legislature has changed. And they're looking at it now as a commerce issue and not a, 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 a 
a pot issue. It, it now they're they're seeing the value of it, and and maybe they're seeing it the same way that we did in municipal government. Now they realize legitimate businesses are coming in and and operating, and and, and it has been quite quite a financial boom for the state. Well, I think when you have 57% of the population pass something like medical marijuana, and then you see the tax revenue that it means for your constituency and how many of your constituents are business owners in the industry, you are fairly well forced to change how you approach it. Even if you don't like it, it's 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 here and it it's not going anywhere. Yeah, and uh, you know, just business in general. And actually, I'll tell you a quick story. When before before everything was enacted, what we did at OML is we traveled the state and we did uh, uh, just educational uh, programs for in different areas because everybody had so many questions about what was was going to happen. And I I think by the time we were done, we we had sponsored about 15 of these. Somewhere in that number, early on, I got a call from someone in the industry that uh and said hey we we see that you publicized this would it be okay if we came because we're curious we'd like to hear too um and i thought you know what a great opportunity let's we'll invite them and so as we kept having these more and more people that wanted to get into the business we're coming to our educational uh programs that we're doing for municipal officials just because they were just so starved for information but i, I learned something about uh, about the people that were were wanting to get into the industry now there were some like any small business um you know there were people that were nowhere equipped to be in this <laughs> to be in any business whatsoever but i started to tailor my message to that and i would look at the the people and say hey I'm I'm really uh, I'm impressed with you guys that that you are about to seek start out and one of the hardest things anybody can do is and start a small business, and uh, you know then that would generate some questions and probably get some looks. But you know most small businesses fail, and I, I tried to give them a little bit of a business education that opportunity, and um, and it's a long way to get to it. But what I think what I was saying back then is now starting to come to fruition because we're we're not seeing three dispensaries on one block anymore in municipalities. And there, and I think that there were the ones that were set up are starting to, uh, you know, they're, they're being successful, but some of these other businesses, not because of the industry, just because they weren't equipped to be a small business that we see some of those are already going out. Are you guys seeing that on your end too? You're definitely right that it's a difficult business to get started in and, and just, and starting any new business. Um, we've actually looked at the renewal rate for our business licensees, and so we're you know, two and a half years in now, and about two-thirds of our businesses are renewing their licenses. So there's definitely some turnover in the industry, um, which is to be expected in, in any area. Um, but, you know, our total number of business licenses is staying pretty consistent, and so I don't know what that level set point is. You know, Oklahoma's medical marijuana program is really unique in that there are no business license caps right now. There's no grow caps. So it really is just about who is able to be successful in the business, whether that's their business model or their marketing skills, the quality of their product or some combination of all of those things. You know, it's really kind of up to who can make a success out of what they do. And outside of businesses failing to be compliant or putting the patient safety at risk. There's really not a lot from our agency that says who can and can't be in business. So if they're being compliant and they're not putting people at risk, it's really just, can they make it work? 
Oh, you just gave me like the best segue into something that I wanted to talk to you about because I read this, I, I thought it was a really great article in Politico. And they, in, in the article, they said that Oklahoma has established arguably the only free market marijuana industry in the country. And when I first read that line, I was like, well, hang on a second, that's that's not what we we're trying to do. But then when they go on to explain that, there there are very few barriers to entry into into the industry. You hit on it just a second ago that um, the, the costs are very low to get into the industry. And and unlike most states, we did not limit the number of dispens or any of the uh, any of the different uh, areas that people could get in, which I thought that was so interesting that they, you know, that they they characterized it like that because we we got it and we thought, oh, it's the, you know, the argument of it's a it's a it, we're doing this for medical purposes, but it's turned into this very competitive uh, business industry in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Our business license fee is only $2,500 per year. You know, there are other things you have to do, like get a business license. If you're not a sole proprietorship, you have to have a tax permit if you're a processor or dispensary. So, so there are other fees outside of that, but relative to the other states whose licenses are tens of thousands of dollars and they're only offering a few of them it's relatively easy to get into this field and be licensed and and see if you can make it work but i think the other side of that coin is the fact that there are no qualifying conditions for our patients either so that sets us up to be extremely unique as well because that's how we end up with 370,000 patients and that's how we end up with enough business for people to still be opening new grows, new processors, new dispensaries when there's already 10,000 businesses in place. So there's there's a lot of market share to be had given the number of patients. But I think you're right. You know, with that low barrier to entry, it's just can you can you make your business work? So you unveiled a. Uh a part of of your program uh, that has been talked about since day one and that seed to sale and you finally have built that and it is launched this week so i want to give you as much time as you want to talk about the seed to sale because i know how important that is in in the future of our industry so talk about seed to sale we are really excited about the launch of seed to sale as you said it's it's been on the agenda for quite some time um state government you know we have to go through the rfp process and all of those things take a little more time than a lot of us would like sometimes but so seed to sale is our ability to monitor every plant and every package of medical marijuana across the state from the time that a seed is planted or a clone is planted until it's sold at the dispensary or it's disposed of at one of our waste licensees so it allows us to track every bit of medical marijuana across the state of oklahoma in a nearly real-time basis and that's really important when we have 10,000 businesses who are all making, selling, processing, transporting medical marijuana every single day. That's a lot of volume to keep track of. So we um, have a contract with Metric, who is a seed to sale provider in, I think, 15 other states. And they have tags that go on every plant and every wholesale package and all of the movements of those items are tracked in the system. So we've got really great eyes on it using this system. So we're really excited for this to be up and running. And our licensees can now get in there and get trained in how to use the system. That training window opened up this week. 
and it runs through March 26th for all of our existing businesses. Obviously, if there's a new business that comes later, they'll get trained on it, you know, before they get up and running. But then starting March 27th through April 30th, our licensees will be able to enter in their inventory into metric. They'll be able to get those tags, put them on their plants and packages, and they'll be able to start tracking everything in the system. And we expect all of our commercial licensees to be fully into metric and fully operational completely inside of there before May 1st. So it's not a huge amount of time, but in talking with metric and how other municipalities or other and how other states have handled this, it's really a pretty standard timeline. It should be enough to get everything in, get everyone ready and get everything up and running. Um, Cause we're really excited. We really need this. We need to be able to identify, you know, how much product there is, who's moving it, where it's moving, you know, the increased ability that we'll have to audit tax compliance, right? That's really critical to our municipality. That is going to be improved so much. And we're already talking with OTC on how we can make sure that we're doing this together and we're doing it well. Um, our ability to respond um, in, if a recall is necessary is going to be dramatically improved because right now, if there's any product that requires recall, we have to go into that licensee, we have to inspect their physical records, we have to try to, you know, piece things together back upstream and figure out where everything came from, you know, if it was a pesticide issue, is it a grow, is it this grow or is it that grow, who do we need to talk to, is it drift from a neighboring farm, you know, for us to be able to address those issues in a timely fashion, there's so much paperwork we manually have to do. But once everything is inside of metric, if there is a product that we are concerned with, we can click a few buttons and notify every single dispensary that has it on their shelves. With a few more clicks, we can backtrack and see every single licensee that touched it, who processed it, what grow it came from, what day it was harvested, all inside the system, all at our fingertips anytime we need it. So our ability to be responsive is gonna be so much better. And we are also hiring over a dozen new field staff. Um, they should be getting um, into training later this month. And so they're gonna be out there and doing a lot more inspections. So that's another thing we're really excited about. So when you put together something like metric and increasing our field staffing by this many people, we're really gonna have a lot better eyes on it. Cause I know that there's a lot of appetite um, from the industry itself, as well as from law enforcement municipalities for us to be out there and monitoring compliance better. I mean, this is really appealing for the businesses who are trying to do things well because they wanna make sure that they're not competing with people who are you know, cutting corners or, or doing things um, in ways that they shouldn't be. So I'm really excited about all the things we're gonna be able to achieve this year. We're also looking at inspection software that's gonna help make our field staff their job much easier, much faster, much more efficient and effective. My legal team is really excited about that because um, it'll help them keep everything together. Um, you know, we'll be able to schedule visits, um, monitor and track complaints inside uh, a new software system. So we're putting a lot of pieces together that's really gonna transform this agency and get us to where we really need to be and where a lot of legislators and and other stakeholders really want us to be. So I'm, I'm excited about the progress that we're gonna make this year. And we're committed to inspecting every single one of our licensees this year. Um, so if, if any of our licensees haven't seen us yet, just wait, we're coming. 
We're really excited to meet you and we're really excited to see how things are going and, and do everything we can to make sure that our patients are safe, right? That's that's why we're here. You know, we license and we regulate to make sure that the product on that shelf is safe for the patients. And so we're doing what we can and and this is gonna be a big year for OMA. It sounds like it. Well, I can promise you that our the municipal guys will be happy to hear that because you know if there's been one complaint, it, it's just, and you've experienced it, there's just so many people in the industry now that you guys just didn't have the bandwidth to be able to do those kind of inspections and you were just over, you, you were just bogged down with, I think, the sheer number of calls that were coming in. And so, and, and that was a little bit of a frustration for our guys. Uh, but, you know, I think that we, at least from an OML standpoint, we're saying these patient, they're still building, we're getting this. So I, I see seeing signs of this uh, says to me that you guys have done everything you told us you were going to do in for municipal government and the state. So I'm happy to hear that. Um, I want to just go back to see sale. And, and this is my me being a technology dork. So you have these tags that that I mean, you are literally following the entire life of this from seed to plant to process to sale to consumption um so all right you said tags how tell me about the tags or is this just a general tag or is there some kind of technology behind it or so the the software provider that we're partnering with metric they provision those tags directly to our licensees so it is a durable tag. So when we have these grow facilities with lights and water and all that kind of stuff, those tags can stand up to that. It will have a globally unique identifier. So when we have a plant, um, once it reaches a mature stage, it's going to need its very own tag. It's going to have the name of the licensee. So we're going to know the facility that's tagging that plant. We're going to have that globally unique identifier so we can actually look in the system, see what day it was planted, we can track it when it's harvested and they package the flower um, and they send a sample off to a laboratory. The laboratory actually has to enter those testing results in themselves and the licensee who may be purchasing that package of flour to turn into concentrate or to sell at a dispensary, they're gonna be able to look in the system and see the test results as entered by the laboratory. So I'm really excited about that piece. That gives a lot better peace of mind to our patients and to the licensees who are putting their name on that product at the end of the day. You know, they don't want their reputation at risk. So they want to know what they're buying is, is really, you know, been tested and really is what, what it says it is. Um, the tags are RFID equipped. So if any of our large scale licensees, if they want to purchase RFID scanners, they can do that. And that can help them expedite some of their, um, some of their process they can um, also integrate if they're using an inventory management system or for a dispensary that's using a point of sale system there is an api integration capability so if they are already you know using those systems that can integrate and and comply with our requirements for metric tracking they'll still have to go in there and make sure everything's working correctly and coming across correctly but um, some of our licensees are really excited because um, those monthly reports, they have to go in and manually enter how many plants, how many sales, all those kinds of things. If they're tracking it all appropriately in metric, it's handled. And if they're tracking it through their point of sale or inventory management system, it's handled. Um, for our smaller licensees, you know, there's CSV upload options um, so that they can, if they're just using spreadsheets, I'm a 
spreadsheet nerd, um, you know, they can just upload those into the metric system directly. But for anyone who wants to use it, they can also track their lighting. They can also track, you know, their electricity consumption, their water usage. They can put information like that in the system too and track their output and things like that. So there's some unique tools that some of our licensees are really excited about. But at the end of the day, you know, my staff being able to go in there, look at a plant, look inside the system and make sure everything is okay with it or, or go to a processor and look at a bottle of concentrate and they can actually see what day the package of marijuana arrived, who transported it, where it came from and what, what that, what the test results were. You know, there's a lot of security that's not just for us, but also for them in this process as well. I'm telling you, I, I'm loving this. This sounds so cool. And I'm just in my mind as you were walking through the description, you might be dealing with literally millions of entries. I mean, I, I could imagine oh, just absolutely. all the different faces. So so this uh, metric must be a pretty robust system uh, in order to handle something like that. Yes. And they've been doing this since um, marijuana was first legalized in Colorado. So they've, they've been at this for a while. And like I said, I think they're in 15 different um, states and um, regulatory bodies in the United States. So they've been doing this a while. They know um, a lot about the industry. They know a lot about how to how to make this process work for the industry and for us. So we're really excited to partner with them and get things going. You know, I think where we'll be even just three months from now because of seed to sale is going to be far and beyond where we are now and far and beyond where we could be in three months without seed to sale. That's great. So you talked about, we talked about seed to sale. You talked about the inspections before we, we, we leave you here. Is there anything else uh, on the horizon for OMMA that you want to talk about? You know, one other bragging point that we have here at OMMA is our quality assurance laboratory. That is something that is unique to Oklahoma and it's, we're already seeing the benefits of it. We awarded the Quality Assurance Laboratory contract last fall. And so this is a laboratory that works just for the state of Oklahoma. They work just for OMMA. And what they are doing is helping ensure the quality of the laboratories and the consistency of the medical marijuana laboratories across the state. So they are helping with a proficiency testing process where each laboratory is given a sample of a known value. And then each laboratory actually gets feedback on how accurately they're able to detect the levels of a contaminant or the potency of the product. One thing they're also doing is um, parallel testing. So when laboratories get a sample of flour or product, they also have to have a reserve sample in case any retesting is necessary. And after so many days, that's actually just discarded by the lab. It's, um, they have to have it on hand for so long and then they just throw it out. So our quality assurance laboratory is actually going there and picking up those reserve samples that would otherwise be disposed of. And they're testing them and comparing that to the certificate of analysis that was produced by the laboratory for the client, for the business, and actually making sure that that matches up. They're also gonna help us with um, quality assurance through random sampling of items available on the shelves at dispensaries, the um, products that are being um, produced at the processors to make sure and just to kind of spot check for safety. And if there's anything that needs to be recalled, 
we have better eyes on it. You know, if, if we can get ahead of it before a problem arises, that's really important. And laboratory testing is so essential to the safety of our patients. That's why it's required on every single 10 pounds of medical marijuana in the state of Oklahoma. And making sure the laboratories are doing that well is, is critical. So that quality assurance lab, I think, is, is really amazing. It's a great bragging point for Oklahoma because nobody else has something like that. But every single state has the issues that Oklahoma has been dealing with. I think I mentioned earlier, you know, cannabis is just really difficult. You know, the laboratories talk about how complex of a testing matrix it is. And with the lack of research that's been available on cannabis, we don't have best practices nationwide. You know, there, there's not a lot for people to go to. So a lot of the laboratories, a lot of the states struggle with variability between their laboratories. And they admit it's a problem and they live with it. But we're doing something about it. We're actually going in there and, and Metis is going to help us. Metis is our quality assurance laboratory. They're going to help us develop those best practices. They're going to help us identify which procedures are the best for our laboratories, which sample prep techniques. Everything about laboratory testing, they're gonna have eyes on, they're gonna have hands on, and they're gonna help us wrap our arms around it and make sure that we're doing it right. That is awesome. And I've come to a conclusion here, Kelly, that your passion and your knowledge uh, makes me feel very comfortable that this industry is going to be very, very successful for a long time. Uh, the things that you have talked about today are just incredible for the state. And they were, I, I, I know it's going to be helpful for our, our listeners on the OML podcast. Uh, so thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, I think this is incredible work you're, you've put together there. Thank you. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about it. I think, you know, having this kind of passion is, is important, but getting to tell people about it and, and all the things that I can be proud of. My team works really hard every day. And sometimes I'm really just beside myself at how much we're able to do and how much hard work they're doing and, and the impact that it has. So, so getting the chance to brag about my team and what we've been working on is, is great. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad you got a chance to, and you, you've got a lot to brag about. So we have been talking with the executive director of OMMA, Kelly Williams, today. Please join us in the coming weeks for more interesting podcasts where we'll talk about issues uh, facing municipalities. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.